Welcome to Intergalactic Tarbush, eclectic conversations from the MENA with Iyad al-Baghdadi and me, Ahmed Gatnash. We talk about politics, activism, tech, spirituality, mental health, and more. Hey man, what's up? So tell me about futurism. How do you actually define it? Futurism? Uh, well, you see, I've been... Uh, okay, uh, to, to start the story from the, from the beginning. Um, I live alone security matters etc etc so you know like i live alone and it has an advantage which is that i can be blasting kind of podcasts and and documentaries and stuff as i do whatever like while i'm 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 cooking while i'm working out while i'm basically hanging out i i'm always listening to content right so uh one of my favorite times to do this is in the morning when you know i when i'm cooking and eating i i do one meal a day uh so that's basically my meal for the day and normally all in it's basically an hour so you know you can watch a good sized you know you know uh, a medium medium sized documentary right so today i was watching something about uh, attitudes towards the future right um and how in the 1940s you know 20th century mid 20th century there was this attitude of post- of optimism towards the future and how this continued into the 1960s, 1970s. This is, of course, the, the person who, who, who did this, who, who was, uh, who was uh, speaking, was American. And I think he was talking mainly within the American and uh, maybe the, the Anglosphere. Uh, and then he mentions how towards the 1990s, 2000s, this is replaced with a sense of pessimism towards the future. Almost, almost like even young people, when you ask them about the future, what comes to their mind, even culturally speaking, is more dystopia. Uh, he comments, for example, about how... I mean, look at the, the popular, uh, popular stuff that we're watching today, like even young people are watching, right? We're talking about uh, Black Mirror, uh, Hunger Games, uh, most, most uh, recently Squid Games. It's the zeitgeist of the last Game. decade. So the idea is like, I mean, it's not only old people who are kind of disillusioned. It's also young people. Imagine, I mean, what does it say about, about our, our, our point of history that young people are thinking about the future in dystopian terms? Of course, there's a whole analysis over there. But then, you know, the whole idea is that, of course, you know that we are building an organization which is obsessed with the future. And futurism is something that we talk about all the time. I mean, the idea that you know, sustainability, long-term futures, uh, you know, 20-year plans and strategy and stuff like that. But the curious thought that came to me this morning was how, um, what is the connection between futurism, even having an attitude towards the future, be it, be it you know, you know uh, optimistic, pessimistic, etc., and modernity. And you know that I define modernity uh, very simply as that phase of human history where change became compounded upon itself. Basically, things have changed so fast that the rate of change has, has reached the point where tradition became uh, invalid as a source of uh, knowledge. It invalidated so many things in, you know, in, our, in, our, in our history, right? So you're, you're basically saying so- that tradition was um, a central form of knowledge for most of human history, and it was accurate? I mean, not only that, it was the most accurate. It was crazy for you not to listen to your elders and not to listen to tradition because things did not... I mean, I was actually listening to another uh, another video this morning and uh, the person on the video said something that kind of stuck with me. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it really got me thinking. He said, 
the world has changed more in the last 50 years than in the last 50,000. Of course, it's talking about our social world. I don't know if it's true, but it's very provocative. I mean, if you think about the idea that for the for most of like for for as long as we have recorded history, for example, if you wanted to get from a place to a place, you ride an animal, right? And then you know, uh, 150 years ago or so, uh, you know, we're still perfecting how to you know we're still perfecting the car because we used to like you know uh, it used to be something we're 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 still innovating. So how cars, how old right? is uh, modern humanity? Would you say? Was it about I mean, three million years? I mean, I would say Homo erectus 1.8, 1.9 million years. Okay, right? so we've been around 1.8 million years. Um, the the amount of time between the first flight and man reaching the moon was 66 years. I mean, think of the the the, the uh, think of the disorientation that someone had. I mean, my my grandfather was born in the late 19th century, right? When he was born, we did not know. Like we didn't, we hadn't really had sustained flight. By the time he died, we'd gone to the moon. I mean, it's astounding, and I, and I think it's like the whiplash. A lot of our attitudes towards modernity, even our attitudes towards you know tradition, like the fact that you know we want to still preserve tradition, etc. A lot of that is whiplash, and I think that even though yeah, there are certain you know traditional attitudes which are harmful to people, and we have to like talk about that. But at the same time, I think we have to be at least understanding that this whiplash is understandable given the, the degree of change that, that we've been subjected to. So you're talking about this attitude of optimism versus pessimism towards the future. And I'm really curious, um, like when we look at the Muslim community specifically, um, how that comes to be, because we have a, an atmosphere of extreme pessimism, which basically people... Um, re- relate directly to religion. Um, they basically say, like, this is what Islam teaches and like the the longer, like, you should expect that the end of the world is around the corner and any day could be humanity's last, etc., etc. And every generation is worse than, than the one before. Um, I mean, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently. We were in, uh, in a coffee shop and out of the blue, the coffee shop basically is mostly stocked by, uh, by, uh, by Arabs. Um, and out of the blue... The question came up is like you know when when are we going to liberate Palestine, right? Which is a weird question to ask out randomly, right? But basically, it was more like a like a public poll, right? Um, and I said twenty years. I said you know in twenty years, twenty five years, we're going to be in a good position. Um, and then the person like the the person who's working at at the place he 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 comes back like, he comes back is like no, it's going to be at the day of judgment. Uh, and, and of course, for him, it's basically stories about the Day of Judgment, etc. And yeah, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, and for some reason, I don't want to get into it now because I feel like I'm go- we're going to like dive down a rabbit hole. Uh, but it might be interesting to come back to it because I think I think I have I have a a renewed understanding of what it means when when uh, when our scripture when the Quran says Akhira, which means the the last or final. Um, I, I think it's a horizon, not not a specific time, but a horizon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to stop here Yeah, on that topic. Um, but I don't think it's um, particularly healthy for a community to be too pessimistic about the future. And I think it's particularly bad when you have um, activists who are basically the people who are trying to build the future, trying to push humanity in the direction of improvement and progress who, um, like, they're becoming cynical about the the very prospect of it. Um, 
or don't even believe do, that. Do you think they are? I think a lot of people, whether they have consciously or unconsciously, um, have kind of resigned themselves to the fact that um, you know the seas are going to boil and, and climate change is going to kill us all and everything's doomed. Um, I don't get much optimism from the human rights scene these days. Yeah, you're right. But I think the, the human rights scene itself is going through a very difficult, uh, maybe even painful transition. Um, if you think about it, the world order has changed and the way that we have to do our work as activists has to change. But some people are still stuck to old paradigms. But let me let me um, let me completely change the topic. OK, um, like we normally do. Uh, tell me about China's growth. Yeah, so you've been sending me a few links um, for a while, and I found another one uh, recently, which was a graph of um, marriage rates, uh, basically showing that they're falling fast. Um, there was another article a couple of weeks ago saying that um, population growth projections uh, look like they're completely wrong, and uh, the inflection point where population growth turns negative um, is probably like within a few years, before 2030. I think I read something that says that it actually peaked in 2020 and it's already reduced. It's already decreasing. Hmm. Yeah, it's probably too early for um, like all the all but the most basic statistics because a lot of stuff happened in COVID. You know, society's completely changed. Um, so that's possible. Like there's no people meeting each other to get married and start having babies. Um, society basically stopped. Yeah, there's, there's also like people, people you know getting married is is taking a bit of a risk on the future basically taking a bet on the future and when things are very uncertain people typically delay the decision a little bit uh but that's uh you know you mentioned that i've been sending you links about this because you know the orthodoxy in geopolitics politics in general is that china is going to overtake the united states and we're going to be we used to live in an american dominated world and we're going to end up living in a chinese dominated world and i used to call bullshit on that for i mean i called bullshit on it for a long time and I was a lone voice, and it was the, the idea is that you know I'm 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 being I'm not being serious. I'm not a serious thinker, uh, because that is the orthodoxy. Books have been written about this. Movies have been written about this. It's become kind of the mainstream that yeah, this is definitely going to happen. My own analysis, and without going into a rabbit hole again, is that China has muscles now. Uh, that's why China is dangerous now, like the Chinese regime is aware of the fact that now it has a relative advantage and now is it's time to uh, flex its muscles, so to speak. But in 20 years, those muscles would be a lot weaker because there's many things, I mean, there are things going for them, but many things also are not. And one of them is like you mentioned, demographics, uh, they're going to have uh, an aging population, very, they already have an aging, like an increasingly aging population. Population is starting to decline. It's going to be the first country in, in history, I believe, that is going to grow old before it grows rich. Um, and that's going to be, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Japan, like uh, Japan is another story, right? Like Japan, when you talk, when, when you when you look at the, at the, there's always this talk about Japan uh, because of its population, etc., overtaking the United States at some point, 1980s, 19, you know, the 1970s and 1980s. And it didn't happen because of, you know, it, you know, the population plateaued. Um, I think that this, it's a similar situation with, with Korea, South Korea, because I think uh, South Korea, Taiwan, Japan, all have very low uh, fertility rates. So it's not just China. Which uh, kind of makes sense why um, a lot of uh, populist leaders are basically obsessed with um, boosting birth rates, like think Viktor Orban in Hungary. Yeah. 
Uh, recently, I, I also saw saw something similar, but not. It wasn't Hungary. It was also I think was it uh, was it Tucker Carlson? Not uh, I didn't hear about it. Or some something like that. But you know, but basically something about uh, you know increasing the birth rates, etc. Or maybe someone who's quoting. I don't remember. But it's something about that obsessing about uh, increasing birth rates and stuff, which I think is. I mean, it, it it must suck to think that my people are becoming. Uh, smaller in number um, but then you have to ask I mean is this about the culture or is it about you know having more people with our genes yeah I, I guess it only matters if you think that your people are in some way inherently superior to other other people rather than I, I don't think I don't think it's really that I think there is an actual fear of uh, that you know our 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 time is 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 drawing to a close and smaller population means smaller size and smaller space in the world. This is also happening at the same size time as the world is kind of equalizing. The world used to be very Western dominated, dominated by Western powers generally for a very long time, for 500 years. Um, and now it's kind of equalizing, even though it's, it's like, it's gradual, it is unstable, uh, but this is happening. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I know, I know. This is like a lot of these people are really like all basically they're they're fascists. But I'm just trying to get myself in their shoes to kind of see their fears. Um, not to say that I agree with it. Of course, I I don't. But but I I see where it's coming from. Do you know of any countries that have ever successfully managed to reverse that decline through policy? No, no, no. I mean, the only country I think uh, not reverse the decline. They could stop the. De- they could reduce the decline. Hmm. Uh, I believe that Denmark is a case in point because I think in the, was it 1980s or 1990s, the birth rate had dropped to like one, the the fertility rate has had dropped to one, which is like very, very low. So you need 2.1 to, to just maintain the population. And they managed to increase it back to 1.6, which is low, but 1.6 is average for Europe, right? However, this has happened mostly due to immigration and migrants having kids, Having Danish kids, basically, mm. uh, which is supposed to be a good thing, you know. When when immigrants come to your country and have Danish kids, uh, it's supposed to be good because these kids have Danish. They they speak the Danish language and they have elements of Danish culture, whatever you want to call that culture. Uh, I mean, not all of them will, but a lot of them do. Um, but then you know the the Danish attitude towards refugees now is really rooted in that. It's rooted in the fact that since nineteen eighty or early 1980s, I believe, uh, most of the increase, if not all of the increase in population has been from either migrants or the children of migrants. So basically the only way for them to stave off the the thing they fear the most is the thing they fear second most. I guess. um, And, but then this is, this is, uh, it reminds me of something I read recently. um, This idea of, you know, of genetic, you know, supremacy. Have you heard of the Germanic germ theory? No, tell me about it. I mean, it's not a, it's not the theory of germs. Uh, this was a theory I think that was popular in the nineteenth century in America that explains American supremacy versus. I mean, the the you know this was at the time when America had this theory or this uh, what do you say this ideology? I don't know what you call it. Basically called manifest destiny. Hmm. The idea is that America is destined to rule everything from you know from Pacific from uh, from Atlantic to Pacific. Um, 
And of course, this com comes at the expense of the Native Americans, who had to be pushed away or pushed onto reservations. And of course, it needed a justification. So that just part of that justification was this idea that the reason why the white man, and keep in mind, I mean, we'll come back to whiteness and who invented whiteness, etc., because this is also, it really didn't exist until, uh, until the discovery of the Americas. Um, but the idea is that German, the German stock, German DNA, basically, has this in in their germ basically in their blood has this uh intelligence mm. and i think they even described it as intelligence sweeping from the west from the east towards the west uh you know it's kind of it's funny i mean i look at it now uh but yeah it's basically supremacist ideas were popular because human ego works that way good riddance is all i can say <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is gonna. Uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, history is the is 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 new human beings making the same mistakes because every new generation is going to have the same like fresh new egos, and we are egotistical beings. So yeah, and uh, instability basically is what comes when um, you know some kind of delusional idea like this meets reality um, and comes up against like the the facts of nature, the facts of. Uh, demographic maturation, um, economic decline, etc. It reminds me of the British Empire and how um, the UK is basically still living off these myths of uh, when it was rich and controlled three quarters of the world, um, when in fact it's now just a, a small island with a reputation as a pretty bad tax haven with uh, awful COVID <laughs> policy, um, awful, awful everything policy, to be honest. Um, and it just, I, mean, I mean, you're living there. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, and there's just no sense of perspective. Um, but people think they live. In I mean, a do you era. think? Do you think? I mean, you 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 got a British education. You 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 know you born and raised, right? Do you is this is this? Do you get this from you know growing up there that there is this nostalgia about empire and you know the time when Britain basically ruled the waves there, and ruled the world. There is in in some sections of the population. You see it when there's backlash um, in right wing media when like uh, prominent authors release books. Um, like new books about colonial history. Um, like a lot of people don't want to hear it or don't want to have it taught. Um, it's kind of like the backlash against critical race theory in the US. Um, but I think it mostly reflects in our expectations um, because we're used to a certain standard of living and that standard is declining. Like our health mm. system is being starved of resources and slowly collapsing, for just one example. Um, and governments, successive governments are, are kind of... Um, thinking we can have it all and refusing to make uh, compromises and sacrifice one thing for another. And I don't really see a realization that most of what was built wasn't built on like native resources. It was built by plundering the entire wealth of India and, and expropriating it. That was how the infrastructure of the country was built. And you know, you can't keep living like that because that era is gone. I mean, uh, going full circle in the, in the previous episode, we spoke, to, we spoke about France and uh, the rise of, uh, you know, the far right in France or the extreme far right, so to speak. And I think maybe some a similar dynamic is, is also at play in France. It's kind of like the the nationalism of, of decline of like, we used to be ruling the world. We used to be an empire. We used to be, you know, we used to be the center of the world. And now we're a normal country. And not only are we norm, a normal country, uh, but in, an increasing number of our own population, our domestic population, uh, are immigrants who used to be you know these are the people who used to like wash our cars and and you know uh wash our windows and now they're you know competing with they, us they're yeah i mean 
So I, I don't know how much of it is uh, is that. Yeah, on that note, I've got to say that I feel like the UK is a lot further along on the journey of coming to terms with these things than France. France is completely in denial. And, um, you know, in the UK, there are a lot of discussions, um, like uh, radical activists are, you know, organizing to get these things taught. Um, there's, you know, people who write about them get to appear in the media. There's critical thought. Um, in France, all I see is basically outright denial. Um, and you upset the highest levels of the state when you talk about these things. Like the the government itself refuses to acknowledge. Um, like Emmanuel Macron is still gaslighting Algerians about what happened and telling Africans. I mean, to Islam get is in crisis, man. You have to remember, yeah. Islam is in crisis. It's basically what you do when. But you know, I'm gonna hold you. I'm gonna hold you to the episode length. We're we're past twenty minutes, so let's call it here. See you next Take time. Take care, man. Let's see you next Salam. time. Salam. Thanks for listening. To support us, please leave a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find the link to our Patreon in the episode description. See you next time.